In our Sabbath school lesson, we studied some things that were close to what I'm going to talk about. Believe it or not, the next lesson after it, I didn't realize how close it will be to this sermon, but somewhat, somewhat like my sermon. So the sermon today is uh, how to explain God's grace. How to explain God's grace. Um, I like this kind of uh, how-to subjects that come up every so often. And uh, I love to think on those and, and use those. So this one, uh, uh, scripture text that could go with grace would be in uh, Ephesians 2, chapter uh, 1 through 10. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, starting with the first verse. And you hath he quickened who were dead in transgresses and sins, wherein... In time past, you walked according to the course of this world. And that's sad, isn't it? In the past, you did that. Now, what about now? According to the powers of the air, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in children of disobedience. That's a bad deal. They shouldn't be disobedient children. They should be learning of the heavenly father among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lusts of our flesh. We all had that. We were all in that condition in time past. We need to do something different. Fulfilling the desires of, our, of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And I noticed when I was doing this, it's in brackets or in a, um, in a what do you call those? Parentheses. I used to know those when I had to learn them in Morse code because they'd send some character and that's what you wrote on your page. <laughs> it was a parenthesis. Okay. Uh, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's how we're, we are now. We're, we've been lifted up to that level that in the ages to come he might show the excellence, ex, exceeding uh, riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. It's the Heavenly Father going to do that so that we can be in Christ Jesus and we'll be seen differently. For our, by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's what our goal is. We're created in Christ Jesus for a reason, for good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk therein. God had this all figured out, and this is what he would like to have us do, that we would do good works Glorify the Heavenly Father, glorify Jesus, our Savior, 
and that we would be able to walk in that kind of a life. That's grace, and God had that figured out. We need to always think of the goodness of God, that he had this all planned out ahead of time, that he's making the system work, he's, he's got it all figured out. And so in, in this goodness, we saw in this reading that God is rich in mercy, rich in mercy. That was in verse four of what I just read. And with that reason in mind is why he had his great love towards us, because it was his mercy that loved us. Grace means favor, kindness, mercy, and forgiveness. Kind of all, kind of all touched on that already, haven't we? In that verse that I read. God's goodness is bestowed on his children each day. If that's true or not true, if it's not true, then we couldn't trust that God's grace is there all the time. We couldn't trust that he's bestowing on us every day. But if it is true, we can look forward to something that's really for us and, and given to us. We can obtain, we can have it every day. We should recognize his blessings. I think that's where we fall down a lot. We just go along and, and the world seems to treat us pretty good, you know. We seem to get along all right. People say, well, how are you doing? Oh, pretty good, you know. I'm all right. And some of those words, I'm all right, I'm okay, I'm not so sure is a good, <laughs> is a good statement. We are not good. God is good. Jesus put them straight when they said to him, good master. He said, only the heavenly father is good. Anyway, uh, God wants to bestow his goodness on us. We should recognize his blessings. Just really think on them. And at, well, we say, sing the song, count your blessings, name them one by one. We're always in, uh, admonished that we should count our blessings um, and that we should be thankful in Hebrews 13, verse 15, it says, By him, wherefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We need to be thinking on it, understanding that it's a privilege, that, it's a, that we use our lips for good service to the Heavenly Father, and we give praises, we use his name, talk of his name, talk of his, his, who he is, what he does, continually. That's in that verse, right? Continually. Don't let up. Because the fruit of our lips, the, the speaking, the way we use our lips is a pleasure to the Heavenly Father. He created us. He wanted us to have that ability. So we need to be giving thanks to his name. The uh, remedy by God for, because of grace and because of uh, what's happened with Satan and in the world and so on, the problems, uh, there's a remedy needed. And it, what I just read too in that opening chapter, verse five, it said, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. We're quickened together with Christ. God had that figured out and planned and, and was to work that way that Jesus was going to be a blessing to us. Jesus is a blessing to the Heavenly Father because he's completing the plan of salvation for the, for the Heavenly Father, but it's a blessing for us. And we should be thankful for that. We should give him praise and honor because by grace, the grace of the Heavenly Father, are we saved. A man is made, uh, made holy by God. Mankind uh, was made holy 
by God. How? Well, through Jesus Christ, through the death of his son. So and it was God's idea, God's plan. Then he became de degenerated, I guess as we could say. <laughs> um, we talk about some people that are, are way out wrong and uh, we call them a name, something like that. But it was Satan that does, does it and did it. Satan fouled it up, tried to foul up man's uh, ability to talk with the Heavenly Father and live with the Heavenly Father. He said, oh, God doesn't really mean that. You can eat that fruit and you know it won't be a problem. You won't really die. They didn't die immediately, but they were dying from that moment on. Age was involved. Their, their body was wearing out at some point. They were dying. And even worse, there will be an end time of accountability when the bad people will die. So uh, we need to be thinking of uh, Satan and sin as what degenerates and pulls down. Um, now we may be regenerated, I like that word too, by Christ, by Jesus Christ. And that's in Hebrews 9 verse 12. Hebrews 9 verse 12 says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. He went, Jesus did this, and he obtained redemption for us. Eternal redemption, that verse says. Wow. He did it once for all times, and it's going to stand forever. The, 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 what he did, what he did to re regenerate us, to save us, stands forever. It's eternal. That was in Hebrews 9, verse 12. Uh, I want to go on here just a bit. Mankind must repent and receive Christ's redemption by believing in his work on the cross. Sometimes we don't say enough about that. I've heard some uh, preaching uh, etiquette and some preaching advice that every sermon has this and this and this in it, and you should end with an altar call. And I thought to myself, I don't do that very often. Maybe I ought to make a better pattern of it. Maybe I should be thinking more along that line. And where can we get a verse to go with that would be Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We, we don't say that often enough. We should be preaching it more, we should be hearing it more, we should be reading it more from the scripture and thinking about it, that it is a highly valued statement of what was done for us. Why are we here? We're not here just to get the goodies. Some people say your prayers are give me, give me, give me. <laughs> and we get all these good things from the Heavenly Father, but um, at the same time, we're not willing to give back much, I guess. We need to be. We get assistance from God because grace gives us that assistance. That uh, in verse 7 that I read on the opening scripture reading, verse 7 says that he might show the excellent, uh, exceeding riches of his grace 
and his kindness towards us. You can think on that, what it means and what it should sink into our bodies and um, that we would have that uh, growing in us. To assist means to help. To be an assistant to somebody, you're a helper, or if you assist the Heavenly Father, we're spreading the gospel. Jesus asked us to go into all the world. We need to assist in doing that. Somebody once said, we are the hands and feet of Christ to move throughout this world and use our voice to be given God's message, Christ's message, to be Christ to people that would otherwise never hear of Christ, never get to Christ. We need to be there as though Jesus was the one. So there you can go to, um, to be an assistant. Um, God can do what we cannot do. So we're not in there alone. We can get help from the Heavenly Father. He helps us in times of need. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore... Come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's a all round complete circle. Like if you're going to need help, you're going to have to have help. Where do you go? You go to the Heavenly Father and he will supply that and we'll receive it because, you know, he's got it available for us. It's his throne, his grace, his riches. Um, all those things are coming from the Heavenly Father. So we can obtain that grace and the ability to, to speak to others. Uh, I want to go to um, another one that uh, God has promised to supply our needs. Oh, yes, we run into this a lot. Um, we can uh, rest assured that he keeps his word. Uh, God is trustworthy. He will keep up with his promises. He'll keep up with his words. Well, where are we going to go? Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. It's been read hundreds of times, I know. But Philippians 4, verse 19 says, But my God, that's Paul talking to others, that says, My God shall supply all your needs or your need according to his riches in glory by... Christ Jesus. Jesus is always involved in seeing to it that things are taken care of for us and we need what supplies we need. Um, there's some kind of jokes going around. People say uh, that you need your needs. <laughs> um, it's not all your needs. It could get you in trouble because it's you thinking of what you need. But rather uh, what's needful for spreading the gospel, winning souls, living a righteous life, uh, living a life that is uh, pleasing to the Heavenly Father, we definitely need help, and God will supply those needs. Um, we are created for God, and the way of that creation for God comes in grace as well. That um, we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus, I read above in, in verse 10. Uh, in Christ Jesus, unto good works. So we are created to do something, not just to sit on our laurels, as people say. We need to be doing something. Good works sometimes is frowned upon, but depends on what you're talking about. 
we're not just talking about somebody that can hold his pencil right or hold his pen right or, or make notes or wrote, write something for others, but rather uh, a blessing that we can witness to others, that we can lend a helping hand to needy, that we can worship faithfully, we can pray for others in all, all kinds of situations, and we get that too from reading the Bible, use our eyes for the Lord. Those are good works. Because other people will see that we like to read the Bible and that we love the Bible. Ah, it's already a witness to somebody. Somebody enjoys that. Somebody will understand that we value God's word and uh, will think, okay, I'll read that too and find out what they're all about. My wife and I have, have shifted our Bible reading, I guess, slowly through the years. But at one point, we were somewhere close to Psalms at this time of the year. And here we are again. Well, we finished the Psalms and was just amazed at what's it. We've only read it 40 times, so you know. <laughs> but every time you read it, you find something extremely great that you just have to value the Psalms. Well, we've just finished the Proverbs and the same thing happened. And man, if we could just read that every month, there's 31 chapters, right? It's a, it's a chapter... Uh, a day, chapter a day would be 31 days. Uh, and you read it in a month. So it's not a long length. And you know what? Almost every sentence is a bullet. I wish I could underline that in red. Oh, next one, I'll underline that one. Then you realize if I do that, it'll all turn red. Well, it's almost there. Because <laughs> in 40 times of reading it, it's almost all red. It's a fantastic book to read. Advice and admonition and the problems of life that are explained in the simplest forms of things. My son, would you please do this, is what he's saying in, in the Proverbs. We definitely need that. We love it and enjoy it. And we certainly wouldn't leave out that book of the Bible, that one, that one. We wouldn't want to leave out anything, would we? And that's why I even say there's some of them, like the book of Numbers. <laughs> there's a lot of Numbers. A lot of uh, tallying up of people and tribes and so forth. Well, put it on the CD and follow in your Bible and he just goes right through all those names and everything just as easy as can be. And it doesn't take any time at all and it's not a hindrance at all to go past something that's a little bit awkward reading. But it's enjoyable. The whole thing is enjoyable to read the Bible, love the Bible, love the Word of God and to witness about it. Our Creator God, we want to witness for Him. God works through surrendered Christ-like people. Surrendered. It's not on it. You're not in it for yourself. You're not in for glory. You're not in for this or that. You're surrendering your whole body, soul, and mind to Christ as your Lord and Master. So let him work through you, doing those things which are pleasing in his sight. That's in 1 John 3, verse 22. 1 John 3, I think I added that in a different place because I don't have it. In, oh, yeah, there it is. First John 3, verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. I often think of one of the elder brothers that were here. He's passed on now. But he used to see if he could just, in prayers, he would often add that I could be a blessing 
to you, Heavenly Father, that I would not embarrass you, Heavenly Father, or the cause of Christ, that I wouldn't embarrass the cause of Christ. Uh, he was concerned about that, that he would be doing good works. That would be appreciated by the Heavenly Father. We move on to uh, the eternal uh, eternity uh, throughout all the ages and so on that we think with God, we want to be with God. That in the ages to come, he might show the riches of his grace in the ages to come. That was chapter two, Ephesians chapter two, verse seven that I read already. That's verse seven, I already read. God's grace is sufficient to sustain us in this life. Sometimes I think, oh, if I could just get out of this life or if I could just, uh, if everything was just perfect, I would, you know, I would do so-and-so. Uh, no, it's in this life. He can sustain us. He's able to do it. Christ lived through it and we can live through it. Uh, let him work through you and doing those things which are pleasing in his sight. Yes. So it's sufficient for this life. God's grace provides an eternity with himself for those who serve him. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for those who have accepted his grace. I thought, does that verse fit well enough? I wanted something more, something more. So grace is sufficient in this life. That's very true. Grace provides us. If we are in God's graces and are correct with God, what do we get in the long run? Eternal life. So he's here and he's there also, eternal life. Then for Jesus is preparing us a place. Uh, in, that's in John 14, verse two and three. I think I put verse one in there as well here. No, maybe it didn't. For John 14, verse two and three. For in my father's house, there are many mansions. Well, that's really good. And we shouldn't be going there just for the mansion, right? I start thinking of other things that I would like to have when I'm there too. I want the animals, I want the trees that they row of trees both sides of the river and they're gonna bear fruit 12 times a year. Oh, I, I wanna do there, I wanna be there. Um, and so we need to look at, at the whole picture, you might say. Uh, in, where was I now, up here. Um, there's many mansions. Um, I go to prepare a place for you. He didn't say, I'm going there so that you can come to me up there, that you're going to live up there, you're going to live off of this earth. That's a whole different subject, right? He's preparing a place. Okay. Then the, uh, let me catch up with myself here again. Prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll fetch you up here, show you where it is. That's what we get told, right? What does this verse actually say? Go to prepare a place for you. I will come again. He's coming back. Why would he come back? If he wants us up there anyway, he might as well just zap and we're there, okay? So there's more to the story. We need to fill in those gaps and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Where is he going to be? That's the secret, right? Do we go wherever he is? Well, he's going to be with us wherever it is. So then I started thinking, you know, I need to add a little bit here. How about if I looked up in Revelations 1, uh, 21, Revelations 21, 
1 through 3. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. That's quite a subject too, what happens to it. When the flood came and killed off all of the plant life and everything else that was outside of the ark, yeah, it was void, it was empty, God rebuilt it. No problem, it was a new, new heaven and new earth then. What about now? We've polluted the earth. We've polluted the air. It's got to be fixed. Peter talks about a fire. Maybe we ought to know about that, <laughs> okay? Uh, but not all in one sermon, okay? Uh, those things uh, are going to be different. That where I am, that ye may be also. He wants us to be in the good place in that first John. In Revelations, it's talking about what's happening, the new heaven and new earth. Uh, are passed away, there's no more sea. I don't understand that one because I love the sea and I want the water and the oceans. And the, God's got a different plan. In fact, there's a verse that says, it hasn't even come into our mind how great a things God has planned for us. So we can't compare with what we think is coming with what we see on the earth. It's going to be so much better, not necessarily all different, but it's going to be so much better that we aren't going to miss this the situation here. So then in verse 2, it's Revelations 21, verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Aha! We begin to get the right picture. The, the promised places, mansions that are prepared, dwellings, whatever they're going to be. Mansions is a good word because... It's beyond our comprehension as to how good it's going to be. Is coming down to us. Not us going up there, but it's coming down. New, new uh, heaven and a new earth. It's coming down. Uh, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first earth and, and uh, was passed away. And there was no mercy. And then verse 2 was, uh, saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Uh, coming down to the earth. Verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle, interesting word, the tabernacle of God. That's where God dwells, where he's being worshipped and so on. The tabernacle of God is with men. Didn't say it's up here in heaven in such and such a spot and we're going to take you there. It's coming down here. And he will dwell with them, not we will dwell with him. It's kind of true, but... Not up there, it's going to be here. God's coming down here to dwell with us. That they shall be, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, not the other way around, he'll be with us, and be their God. You just, oh my, this is almost more than we can imagine. This is such a great idea to have that. And then I went on from there to... Um, uh, I was looking at that. I want to make sure I don't miss anything. So I'm going to go to that uh, Revelation 21. Revelation chapter 21. When it comes down from heaven, uh, I love the rest of that chapter as well. Who's going to be there? Who's not going to be there? Uh, this is like a bride coming down. Um, I think I, uh, I was reading a lot. Here. Oh, yes. I, I got to tell you just a touch of this chapter. I won't read it to you. You can read it at home. But it talks in verse 11, it starts in precious things that were there. 
there, and God and, and his son will be the light. And then there's going to be, uh, like, there's going to be jasper stones and crystal and uh, just, it goes on and on. And then it talks about the 12 gates, how beautiful all of that's going to be. It talks about uh, three gates, three gates on that side and three on this side and so many on that side and that and three, 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 three gates all the way around. Then it talks about foundations. And then it starts talking about all the colors. It's just beautiful how big it is and how many colors there are. It just goes on and on. It talks about a wall in verse 17. And it starts telling about the colors of the wall down around uh, and, and, and the foundations in verse 19. The foundations just start telling the colors of the foundations in verse 19. And it takes verse 20 to finish all the colors that are going to be there. Beautiful. I had to put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Just crowd them on the side. There's 12 gates and, and all these other things that are going to be so beautiful there. Uh, verse 21 talks again about the 12 gates. And uh, 22, it starts about the temple. And uh, they, they won't need the sun and the moon. God didn't throw them away, I'm sure. But they're not necessary to survival of the earth because the Heavenly Father is there. Um, there's uh, verse 27 I've singled out separately and there shall no man no wise enter in anything that defiles so if you're defiling now or are dirty now defiled now you haven't got a hope of being over there you better fix that right away get right with God because you're not going to be over there Neither whatsoever worketh abomination. All those wicked things on this earth, they've got to be straightened out. You either join on the righteous side, the good side, the everlasting side, or you're not going to be there. But they which were written in the Lamb's book of life, that's how you get in. You've got to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. You could go back to, Deutero uh, to uh, uh, Malachi and read about the list that God's keeping. <laughs> okay. It's all over the Bible that there is a list being kept and those that are going to be there. So then I wanted to jump into chapter 22 as well uh, in verse uh, 14. Oh, verse 12 says, uh, it gives to every man according to his works. And we have people toting around that you can't do anything to serve God. You ought not to try to serve God. You don't do anything that's called works. <laughs> You're going to get rewards given to every man according to his works shall be. Somebody's keeping a record and you're going to be rewarded with it. Then verse 14, we find out in verse 13 that it's Alpha and Omega, and Omega that's talking to us here. The first and the last is talking to us. What does he say in verse 14 then? It must be important. I've got it all marked in red. Blessed are they that do the commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and enter in through the gates into the city. All that I just read about the gates and the colors and the city itself and the trees that I mentioned and the water flowing and the trees blooming every, uh, every so many months and, and bearing fruit 12 times of the year. All of that you could get. How? If you keep the commandments of God. Wow, another place that says keep the commandments of God and the, the um, testimony of Jesus Christ, witness of Jesus Christ. 
And it goes on to say that there's not going to be these bad people there. They're going to be on the outside or actually not anywhere around. Um, why would there be dogs there? Why would, I mean, bad, bad people that are like dogs. Sorcerers, whoremongers, murderers, idolaters. They're, they're not going to be there. That's verse 15. They won't be there. They're, they would be outside if, if at all, but why keep them? There's nothing for them to be there for. And then the last words of verse 15. And whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I just shudder this. Back a chapter or two, it mentions the word lie as well. Lies are really, really bad. And what do we get all year long? There's this party at that place and this celebration at that place and that celebration over there and that one over there. And all stories about them are lies. Just an awful mess. And they're not going to be here. So then uh, this is where we run into verse 17 where it says, come. He wants you to come. Want us to come to the Heavenly Father. He wants to come to us. Um, come and get the water freely. Read on the last parts of this. You get down to verse 20. He shall testify these things saying, surely I come quickly. He's going to come back to earth. He's going to come quickly. Even so come Lord Jesus. We need that witness in us that we understand that he's coming back. We need to live right for that idea in that place. Um, just a couple more thoughts before I go. I ran across this the other night as well, and I just thought I've got to do this to connect with this sermon. The steps to peace with God. In short form, if a person says, I know I'm not ready, I haven't made it right with God. <coughs> God has a plan for us. It's through Jesus Christ. Because we know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Why will you die? Why don't you choose God? You won't perish, but have everlasting life. If you accept Christ as your Savior, if you accept that verse, there would be no reason to die. We've got a problem, though. We're separated from God because of sin. We're separated. You can draw it out in various patterns. Some show a bridge. Some show chasms in between us and the godly side of, of life. And the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's in Romans 3.23. Right. And we've got to know that we need some way to get across to the other side. Um, we've fallen short. We can't do it on our own. We need Christ. And God's remedy for it was the cross, the cross of Jesus. And the verse there says, who Jesus, his own self, bear our sins on his own body on the tree. That's in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. Jesus did it. He took our punishment. He bridged the gap, you might say, the chasm. He rose from the grave. He paid the penalty for us. That's the bridge that connects us with the Heavenly Father. Then there's uh, our response to receive Christ. If we understand the bridge, if we understand that we need Jesus to get into God's family, to be part of the family and, 
and we need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We do have the personal invitation to come to Christ. And here's a verse, John 1, 12. But as many as received him, talk about, did you receive Christ? Have you accepted Christ? Did you receive him? We need to pray for it and ask for it. To them gave he the power or the right or the privilege to become the sons of God. If we imagine what that really means. Jesus is the son of God. We're going to have Christ as a brother, as a family member. Even to them that believe on his name. Believe on it in a full way where you actually do something about it. So right below this, I've got uh, uh, to commit and, and to admit and commit, admit that we needed help. Um, many uh, prayers in the Bible, they admitted their own sin first and then the sins of the people that they were with and so on. Well, we need to do that. We need to say, I'm a sinner. I was nothing. I was going nowhere. I was going to die for it. And I want out of this. We need to admit that we're a sinner. Repentance is the next thing. Uh, be willing to turn from sin. One person said, when we do this action in our mind, we're telling God, I know that this is bad in your eyes and I'm agreeing with you that this is bad in your eyes, this is bad in my eyes. I agree with, with God. Then we'd say to receive Christ who died on the cross for us, to receive him, we have to believe in him, that he was the son of God, that he was really here on earth, that he did all these miracle things that we read about, and we receive him. And how do you receive him? Well, you pray. You need to pray. Talk to, talk to God about it. Talk to Jesus about it. In Revelations chapter 3 and verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and so on. I will come in unto him and sup with him and so on, the verse says. Um, we need to receive him in a way that we can pray and ask for his, ask for him to come into our heart. There's a song like that, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Um, we need to be thinking that kind of a thing. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I like the King James version of that slightly better. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No ifs, ands, or buts. I kind of like it. Shall be saved. Okay. Um, when we pray, sometimes you wonder what to say. Jesus taught his disciples to say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We need to think about that. It's okay to pray to Jesus at this time because he gave his life for us. So it's okay to say, dear Jesus, or Heavenly Father, or our Heavenly Father, who art in heaven. Then we need to admit, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for my sins, and I want to turn it around right now. Then you make the request that you would like to have Jesus live in your heart and control your life. So you ask for that, but saying also, I receive Jesus into my life. There's something about the two-way thing that you need to admit to. 
I want Jesus to live in my life. Not on the outside, I want on the inside. Some uh, descriptions of this, they show a chair in the middle of your world. And who's sitting on the chair? Is it self or ego or, or is it Christ sitting on that chair in the middle of your life? And then everything else around the circle was put in order because Christ is there. I thought, wow, that's a powerful statement to remember, a visual to remember. And then always say that you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I like to use the word master in many places like that too. They accept him. And then you want to say thank you. Because in saying thank you, you say, I really believe this is going to happen. Thank you for having it happen. Thank you for making it happen. And add, uh, you can add something just amen. Some people don't know what all could be said at that time. So you end your prayer. You could say, Heavenly Father, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Something like that. But we can learn those from the scriptures. So there's always a time for prayer that should be offered. I know some people say, well, uh, after the service, you could go over in this room or you could go to that room or you could ask so-and-so and brother so-and-so. Why not here at the front? When somebody comes to the front to pray at a time like this, somebody else should come and pray with them. Not just the pastor, he maybe has to be here. Not the song leader necessarily because he may have to be up here. You know, this is, this is how it works in a brotherhood of believers. When somebody needs prayer, we should be right there with them and pray with them. Whether it's for salvation, accepting Christ as our Savior for the very first time, or whether it's for other needs and other problems and situations of life. But if somebody wants to pray, how do you do it in a service that's too ritual? You don't know when you're supposed to ask, or you end up going home. We need a time when we actually get together as a brotherhood and love one another and say, I need prayer. I'm going to come up here to the front and I'm going to ask for somebody to pray with me. Uh, it won't necessarily be for saving of my soul, but there's all kinds of other things, right, that we need prayer for. And so we should not be shy to come forward and pray. Let's have a closing song.